and the people of Israel and go and serve the Lord as you have said. Take your stocks and your flocks and your herds as you have said and be gone and bless me also. The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste for they said we shall all be dead. And so the people took their dough before it's leavened, the kneading bowls being bound up in their cloaks on their shoulders. The people of Israel had also done as Moses told them, for they asked the Egyptians for silver and for gold jewelry and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they left them, so they let them have what they asked. Thus, they plundered the Egyptians. And the people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth, about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. A mixed multitude also went with them, and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough that they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. The time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, on that very day, all the host of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt, so that the same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. We will turn with you now to Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 through 22. And Pharaoh let the people go. God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Sukkoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from these before the people. A key verse today is Exodus 12, verses 41 and 42. At the end of 430 years, on that very day, all the host of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. 
So that, so this same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. You may be seated. If you could, please open your Bibles, if you have one, once again to Exodus chapter 12, that we're, where we're going to start today. And uh, while you make your way there, I'd like to share with you a slightly embarrassing fact about myself. I hate flying. Flying terrifies me. Every time I go to O'Hare, I think, okay, I'm going to be okay this time. It's going to be all right. But every time I get into that plane, I am filled with this feeling of nervousness. And if you know anything about my past, you know that this is really not a good thing because my parents live halfway across the world in Japan. So I've flown a good number of times and you think I'd be over this. But if you're the one unfortunate um, enough to have to sit next to me on the plane, I'm probably the guy that's shushing you, telling you to listen to the safety features about this airplane. I've probably been on the same airplane like more times than you have because of flying back and forth, but I'm still intently listening, making sure I know exactly where the oxygen is falling, uh, where my life vest is, and uh, where the nearest exits are as well. And as we taxi for what feels like forever, I'm the guy staring at the safety card in front of me, making sure I know exactly how I'm going to get out. If we crash over water, I know that that door is the best one to get out of. And if there's too many people going to that door, I know that that one's better. But if we crash over land, I know that probably the exit behind me is the one to go out of. You see, when I get on a plane, I plan every time how I'm going to get out. I have an exit strategy for every single situation. I know, just in case, how I'm going to leave. And in our series in Exodus, God has been crafting for the last 12 chapters His divine exit strategy for the Israelites. And we've looked at, as over the past 12 chapters, God has developed through Moses and through the Israelites and through this uh, power struggle with Pharaoh, how He's going to get His people out. And if you were here last week, we looked at that one final part. The one final piece that was required before the people could go, the Passover. And today we pick up at the very pinnacle of the action, the very end of this grand story that has been leading up to until now. And today we're going to see, through the Exodus, certain things about God. God, through the Exodus, shows that His power is absolutely unmatchable. And God shows through the Exodus that He is faithful to His promises. And He's going to show that He is establishing His presence with His people. We're going to look at the various scenes of the Exodus. That's why our passage seemed very long, was because this is such a grand story and a grand final exit. So before we dive right in, if you could pray with me one more time. Father, I thank you so much that I can be here this morning and that each one of us is here. And I ask that what I say this morning would not be of me, but it would be of you. That my words might be an act of worship towards you, that all of us here today 
as I speak, might be glorifying you. Calm any of my nerves. Um, give me clarity. Give me understanding. And give all the people here open minds and hearts to see what you might have for them today. Go before us. Let your spirit fill this room. In your name I pray. Amen. Well, if you were here last week, you'll remember that Ricky shared about the Passover. And he called us out as a church to look to our birthmarks, look to our past, and that that would motivate us to a better future, to a future of our church. But even before he got into that, we uh, had a visitor named Ben. And Ben shared with us the various um, experiences that he had as a past, as the, with the first time he experienced the Passover hundreds of years later. But before that, he shared that the Passover served as an interruption to the action. An interruption to the action that we've been looking at for the, for the fast, past um, number of weeks. And it served as an interruption into a power struggle that if you've been here, we've seen it developing between Pharaoh and God as he works through Moses. And we've seen as the plagues grow in intensity. And yet, despite all of that, from the Israelites' point of view, nothing really has changed. It feels like up until now, everything's still the same as when we started. But now, at the climax of our story, at the very pinnacle of this action, something is different. And we looked at it in our scripture reading last week, but if you look again to the first verse of chapter 11... God says to Moses, Yet one plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you out completely. God is setting the stage. See, up until now, Pharaoh has claimed that he's going to let the people go, but uh, God has never said this. But now, God is saying to Moses, Get ready to go. After this plague, it's going to be time to go. And Moses goes before Pharaoh and says the same thing. He says, Pharaoh, this last plague, if you don't listen to me, every firstborn in the land will be killed. That's in verse uh, 7 and 8. And after that, you will let the people go. You see, God is setting up Egypt, he is setting up Moses, and he has also set up the Israelites. We looked at the Passover last week, and we saw the importance of the night of Passover and the celebration, but it was also getting the people ready to leave. God was saying to Moses and to all of the people, this is it. And everything has been building. Last week we looked at the night before, and everything has been building to this moment. And so now as we join in our passage in verse 29... Everything's just going to go. We are at the very top of the roller coaster and we're about to fly down. And we're going to see how God shows himself through the Exodus. So uh, turn with me uh, to verse 29 of chapter 12. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. God 
did as he said. And imagine this night. Imagine the Egyptians. You see, they had heard of this power struggle going on between Pharaoh and between God. And so they knew that every other plight could come true. So imagine leading up to that night. Mothers and fathers tucking in their children, giving them an extra hug, an extra kiss. Wondering, would God really strike down all the firstborn in the land? And for the Israelites, seeing and hearing that this was going to happen, wondering, would God continue? Would he do this? And as people drifted off to sleep in the middle of the night, all of the sudden they are awakened by screams. Mothers and fathers going to their children, hearing the screams of their neighbors, of people down the street, and realizing that their son, their daughter, their firstborn child had died as well. Because the Exodus starts off with the loudest cry that has ever been heard. It says, not, there was not a house where someone was not dead. And God shows his power in this in a very new way. You see, up until this point, God has acted upon other things for the plagues. The blood in the river, the frogs, the darkness, all of them have been God working through other things. But now God is saying, my power is unmatchable. I am going throughout the land. And for us as humans, this seems almost too harsh. For us as Christians, it says we know our God and we say, God, couldn't have you done this another way? Couldn't have you spared them and done something else? But what we need to understand is that up until this point, Pharaoh thought that he was on par with God. Pharaoh thought that his power and his might could match God's, that they were in this shoving match back and forth, that every conversation, every plague, they were going back and forth. But now, God was showing him something, that he was not only stronger in might, but his power that is unmatched is unmatched in kind. You see, God's power stems from his deity. And Pharaoh, up until this point, thought that his was the same, that he had this power that came from him. And the Egyptians, as a people, thought that their gods provided the same type of power as our God. And through striking down the firstborn in all of Egypt, God said, No, my power is unmatchable. Not just in strength, but none has, no one has the same type of power. And Pharaoh finally got it. Look back at verse 31. It says, Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up, go from my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. See, Pharaoh finally realizes he is no match for God. He finally realizes that this wasn't a giant shoving match, but that they were never even on the same plane, the same playing field to start with. That up until now, God has been showing himself through his stubbornness. 
And when we realize how big God is, how unmatchable God is in His power, the only thing left to do is what Pharaoh does. The last thing that he says. He says, and be gone and bless me also. Pharaoh comes to grips and the people come to grips with the fact that they are no match for God's power. And all he can do is a complete reversal of what he's been doing so far and says, bless me also. You see, in the Exodus, God shows that his power is unmatchable and when he shows it, everything changes. And we serve the same God today. He might not show his power in your life or in my life quite so extravagantly, but he is the same God who shows the same power. And he wants for his power alone to be recognized as all-powerful. And yet we live in a culture today that so many other things vie for our power, so many other things try to claim the same stake in our lives. Maybe for you it's um, financial security or uh, financial status. And though you realize it and, and confess to it or not, the way you view your finances is just as important as the way that you view God. Or maybe, and though this sounds harsh, maybe it's your family. Maybe you give your family the same amount of power over your life as you give God over your life. And God, just as in the Exodus, just as he was showing Egypt and Israel, demands that he alone gets the recognition for power. That his power is unmatchable. Well, look back to chapter 12 in, in verse 33. The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading bowls being bound up in their cloaks and on their shoulders. The people of Israel had also done as Moses told them, for they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they let them have what they asked. Thus, they plundered the Egyptians. You see, the power that God showed was realized among the Egyptians as well. And just as Pharaoh was cowering on his knees, the Egyptians were going to the Israelites that they knew and were saying, Get out! They realized that God's power was so great that if they didn't do what he wished, that they were going to be killed as well. And imagine this scene. This was a people, we have to understand, that was born into slavery, that grew up in slavery, that the generation before had been in slavery. That's all they knew. So their every day was controlled by a power outside of themselves. And now, for the first time, they were getting word that they were allowed to leave. So there was people gathering up their belongings. It says they gathered up their cloaks, their bread before it was leavened, the bowls to, to continue making the bread, and just took what they had with them and got out. Can you imagine? And what they were finally realizing was that now God was fulfilling his promises that he made to them. You see, up until this point, they almost felt like they had no hope, that nothing was ever going to change. But now, 
with God having enacted his divine power on the Egyptians, changing everything, the promises that he had made to them were being fulfilled. And you say, yeah, but God could have done this anyway. Why didn't he just snap his fingers and let the people leave? We have to understand that God used the Exodus to show his people that he was fulfilling the promises that he had made to them. Look first at the life and example of Moses. It was way back when we looked at chapter 3. God promised Moses so much. He promised that he was going to use him to deliver the people. He promised that he was going to use him to show Pharaoh that he alone was God. And it took ten plagues. But now, Moses has finally seen that God was faithful to those promises. And the life of Moses itself. When we met Moses, he was cowering before this, before God. He was afraid to go speak to Pharaoh. And now God has shown himself, has revealed himself, that he is faithful in the life of Moses as Moses leads his people out of Egypt. And look at Israel as well. If you remember back to the very first sermon in our series, uh, it says that God heard the cries of his people. And then when we looked at chapter 3, in verse 7, it said, I, God says to Moses, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them out of the land. God promised that to his people. And at first, it seemed like this is taking way too long. You see, God was revealing himself. He was revealing his power. And now he is revealing that he is true to his promises. And if you look at verse 34, we see that God, in his faithfulness to his promise to his people to redeem them, meant so much more than just taking them out of Egypt. Look at verse 34. It says, So the people took their dough before it was leavened. And if you remember last week, Ben, he hated the unleavened bread. With his backpack on, he thought it was disgusting. But this was more than just a part of the ritual. This was God setting it up, getting ready for them to leave. God was faithful to his promise before getting ready for them to go. And then if you look in uh, 35 and 36 going on, the people basically robbed the Egyptians. But with God and, and the Egyptians' favor, because God had, through the fulfillment of his promise, was giving them favor. So the people went out with all of these possessions. And this wasn't just like an added bonus. It wasn't like, okay, you're going to leave and also I'm going to give you uh, nice things as an added bonus for being faithful to me. Now this was showing that he was continuing to redeem his people, that his faithfulness to this promise to redeem them wasn't in this one action of the Exodus, but this was the beginning. Because those, those, the jewelry and the clothing was all things that they were going to need along the journey in which God was going to continue to redeem them, to continue to fulfill the promises that he made. And what of what, part of what makes this story so great is that it does go forward 
but that it's also part of a continuing story all the way back to Genesis. If you've read the Old Testament, one of the greatest stories, one of my favorites, is the um, saga of God and Abraham together. And in Genesis 15, God says to Abraham in verse 13, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for 400 years, but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. See, God has a grand plan in mind already. And when he says that he is going to uh, fulfill his promises, as he said to Abraham, he is going to do it. And we have to understand that the Exodus is just one part of this plan, and God was showing that he is faithful to those promises. He was faithful to the fact that he brought judgment on the nation, that they walked out and that they came out with great possessions. And their release begins to fulfill that promise. See, our God, through the Exodus, showed that he is faithful to his promises and is true to us today in the same ways. Often we feel like, um, as Christians, that we are maybe entitled to certain promises that we've read in his word. But through Exodus, God shows us that fulfillment of promise doesn't just happen like this. Maybe for you, you're reading God's word and you're saying, my life should be better than this. I should not be struggling in this way. Why has God not fulfilled that promise? Abraham never saw the fulfillment of those promises, but he knew them to be true because of the God he served. Moses never completely saw the fulfillment of the promises, and maybe for you, you're not going to see them until years and years later. Maybe God has allowed for this so that he could reveal himself in your life. See, through the Exodus, God shows that he is faithful to his promises, and that is true today as well. Well, if you remember from last week again with Ricky, Ricky um, stressed that we push into the future looking at God's faithfulness in the past. And we have this unique advantage to be able to look at the past. And we are able to look at the rest of our passage and see it from a perspective that the Israelites did not see it from. So look with me, and we're going to jump ahead to verse uh, 42. There it says, It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this same night is a night of watching kept by the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout all their generations. This was a night of watching by the Lord. The Lord is showing his people that he, as he is redeeming them, is with them. He is establishing his presence. We've seen his power, his promises, and now his presence is with them. He is redeeming them and establishing a relationship with them. And it says God was watching over his people. I kind of picture it like a class field trip. If you've ever gone to a museum, you've seen this, where this like third grade class comes, and there's this mass group of children, and then there's like one teacher trying to watch all over them. 
And God was watching over his people, making sure that they all went the right way, that they all stayed um, in the right place, and that they all got out safely. We have a sovereign God, but we also have one whose presence is over his people, and he was establishing his presence with them then. This was a presence that had not been seen before. For these people, they didn't know that God's presence could be over them, but they didn't quite see it completely and understand it yet. And so we're going to jump over again to verse 17 of chapter 13. Because Moses, when he's writing, dives back into the instructions of the Passover. And it seems like, well, why is he reiterating it again? Well, he's reiterating it from the point now of the Exodus having happened. God being faithful. Um, what, has being, what has been said has come true. And so they look at these instructions again, moving forward, just as Ricky talked about last week. Now, I'd love to get back into them, but we need to keep going. And so if you look down to verse 17 with me, we're going to jump back in there. There it says, when, the people, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. See, God has established his presence, but he knows that his people are not fully trusting in him yet. Though he's redeemed them from Egypt, though he's redeemed them from slavery, they don't quite grasp what this new relationship means going forward. And so God, with his gracious presence, steers them clear of the land of the Philistines, steers them clear of anything that would cause them to doubt, and moves them forward in another direction, towards, it says, the Red Sea. And I promised Nathan I wouldn't give anything away for next week, but let's just say God is once again going to prove that his presence is with them. And then look into the end of of. Verse 18 says the people went out equipped. Equipped for battle. It doesn't say they're ready for battle. It doesn't say they're anxious to go into battle, but they're equipped for battle. Which shows us two things. One, God is going to use them in battle to show his glory some more. And I challenge you, read the rest of Exodus, see this. But in their being not ready, it shows us that God's presence means that he is establishing it and he needs to grow it, that the people are going to understand it more. And then finally, let's look at the last two verses in our passage today. Verse 21 and 22 talk about this pillar of cloud and pillar of fire. And this shows us that God, when he established his presence through the Exodus, is not going anywhere. That God is with his people. Look at the, the last verses in our, in our passage. It says, The pillar did not depart from before the people. God has done so much for them, and now he's, no, he's not going to go anywhere. He's moving forward with them. He is going to continue to guide them. He is going to be with them always. 
You see, God has proven his power and he's been faithful to his promises and now he's established his presence. But it doesn't stop there. Because if you've looked at this story, you'll recognize that you can't help but be drawn to the story of Jesus Christ. You see, through Jesus Christ, God showed his power in defeating, over, defeating death. Jesus Christ fulfills more promises and prophecies than anything else in the Bible. We're coming up on Advent. As we read the scriptures, look at the promises that Christ fulfilled. And because of Jesus Christ, just as the Israelites did, we can have God's presence with us. We can't help but look ahead in this story. See, God has revealed himself. He's revealed his power as totally unmatchable. Put the Egyptians and put Pharaoh down, showing that his power is completely different. That his comes from his deity. And he's shown that his promises are always going to be fulfilled through to the Egyptians, to Moses, to the Israelites. And his presence is going to be with them always. And as you look at that and as it moves you forward towards the life of Jesus Christ, do you realize how great his power is in your life? Do you realize that, that God, through Jesus Christ, defeated death? Just as God completely defeated the Egyptians and defeated Pharaoh. Does the reality of his power over your life and in your life change the way that you act from day to day? Do you realize the promises that were fulfilled in the Exodus and realize the promises that are fulfilled through Jesus Christ and ongoing? And does it cause you to live differently, to live a life that has been changed because of those promises from day to day? And because of that power and because of those promises, does your life reflect one that has been filled with his presence? All that we do, just as with the Egyptians, is with God's presence in us through the Holy Spirit. It says the, the pillar of cloud and of fire did not depart from the people. If it went forward, the Egyptians went forward. If it went one way, they went one way. If it went another, they went another. Are our lives like that? Do you look at God's power and his promises and recognize that his presence is with you and if God calls you left, that you go left? If he calls you a different way that you didn't expect, do you follow? That's what his established presence in our lives means. And if you've not quite believed that or you're not quite living it, I challenge you, look at this book some more. Reread the story of the Exodus again by yourself. God's power is undeniable and it's incredible. Read it for yourself. Get gripped by the power that he displayed. Look at the reality of the promises that he's fulfilled and is fulfilling. And ask yourself, 
What is your life without God's presence? When you see his power and his promises, does that not want you, does that not make you want his presence in your life? Because Pharaoh, when he realized that, was on his knees saying, bless me also. His presence is everything in our lives. So as we close, and as the uh, worship band comes back up, and as the prayer counselors come forward, I challenge you, come. Pray with them. If you want your life to be gripped with that reality of his power, of his promises, and his presence in your life, come pray with them. If it already is, but you just need the encouragement, come pray with these individuals. Let your life reflect the fact that he has revealed himself. And that because of it, you have his presence in your life. Let's pray. The passage today that Aaron spoke on, I'll say it again, that as God led the nation of Israel out, that he didn't take them the short way, but rather the long way, because he knew that they might become afraid of war and the people. And remind you that as we go through life, the same God, the, the same God whose presence was with them, the same God who provided for them, the same God with the same power, we serve Him today. He knows us. He knows our weaknesses. He cares for us. He'll take us through those scary moments in our lives as we trust Him, as we take those steps of faith. As Aaron was speaking, I, my heart, my mind went to a passage we're all familiar with, Hebrews chapter 11 on faith. And it says that without faith it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to Him must believe that He exists and they rewards those who seek him. And that passage there goes on and talks about how Moses' parents, by faith, trusted him and placed the basket in the waters. And later that Moses, as he grew up, by faith, trusted God, chose to identify with his people rather than with Egyptians. And by faith, they went through the Passover. We, in the same way today, take steps of faith. Mistrusting Him, who is our provider, whose presence is with us, whose power enables us to trust Him. So as we go out today and live in the world, remember, we have a God who knows us. He knows our fears. He knows our concerns. He knows us. 
He'll provide for us. His presence is with us. And His power is available for us.